episode number 44 of the Tartan Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, Kyle Gregg. So, Tom, how you doing? Post-national cross-country? I'm well. How, I'm... how was your run? My it was well, just I... as good as my run, wasn't it? Well, my, I think I might have run further than you, actually, on Saturday. I think, that... you know, I think, <laughs> I think you did. I think I totaled with my warm-up and, and, you know, finishing in the second lap. Oh, God. Five miles? You say how I'm doing. I'm still riding the national high. I can't believe how much I enjoyed the national, considering I wasn't running. I thought all last week I was all braced to be all sad and depressed that I wasn't running and watching all my mates run really well and everyone's getting better than me and blah, blah, blah. But do you know what? I loved it. It was amazing. As a fan, to stand and watch it was just incredible. Both races, the men and the women's, were amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, I think all of them were, Tom. Uh, you know, uh, from the juniors all the way up to the seniors, and yeah. I think, you know, I, I was I was clocking back on how how many years I've been run. You know, the last the first time I ever did the national cross country championships, and it was exactly twenty years ago to that day, back in nineteen ninety nine at the cross country championships, the the SAF cross country championships, <laughs> when it was a federation, uh, and that was uh, that was. Yeah, under 13. I was an okay. under 13 at the time. Um, and Scott Fraser was the winner. And oh, I was yeah. five, sec- five seconds behind him. My best ever cross-country result. Just a shame it was 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 years. But I think, uh, yeah, it was, it was, you're right. It was so, I think record feels. Yeah, it was, it was stacked. I mean, like from the juniors to the seniors, I think it was 960 senior men running. Oof. God knows how many women there were, but. It was just great to see, you know, at the start line, just such a big, wide field of runners of all different colours, shapes and sizes and different disciplines of running and just amazing to watch. And some of the standard of some of the runners, you know, the depth was, was fantastic as well. Mm. You know, and the, the senior women's race, which I know, chat about that, but some, your, your, your commentary was fantastic. <laughs> Well, joint commentary. You joined me for half. You joined me for the women's one. But I was, I was just making the numbers up. I could hardly, I was like, "Who's this coming?" And Tom was rattling off the names like it was great. I was, I really enjoyed it. But you know, and, and thing is, I, well, I guess we're gonna, we're already jumping straight into it. But the weather as well. Who'd have thought it was February? You know, sunny day. What fifteen degrees? degrees. Yeah, it's just scorching. That was brilliant. You know, sun, suntan lotion. I bet nobody was wearing suntan lotion. I know. February. It was a beast from the east this time last year. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, so before we dive into that, well, so yeah, this week we've got national cross. We're going to talk about uh, there's a bit of running news, uh, the usual running rants. But let's kick off with with our training. What have you been up to? Talk us through last week and in including this the unfortunate uh, no go at the Nash. The no go. Yeah. Well, I, I think I'm going to go into it, and I'm going to. I'm probably going to spend a, a few minutes on this, Tom. Sorry to ramble on, but that's that's what I do best on time running shorts. I see Tom's Tom's already got his drink ready, prepared. He's, what are you drinking there? Brew dog. What's it called? Hop rocker. A hop rocker. It is. It's there a. There you go, fans. Five point two percent Indian pale ale. Yeah, it is an IPA. It's nice. Oh. Well. I'm not having any more beer after my my HBT night, but I'll, I'll chat about that briefly anyway. Um, so yeah, so I uh, I, I felt I, I wasn't hugely confident going to the national cross country championships to be honest. Um, but I thought, you know what, you know, I, I'll give it a go, see how I get on, and started off. I just felt really, really like the, the, just in the morning of and the, the day, the night, the night before, my leg, my left hip was just it wasn't right and. 
I was like, I could ease off during the race. And the moment I started, I was just really struggling to get going. And um, I just find it really, really hard just to keep up. With, I mean, to be honest, the depth was amazing. And just to try and I think I'm just I'm still reflecting back on when I came 12th, like in 2014. And, and I think it was 20th the, a couple of years after that. And knowing that I'm not that kind of at that level anymore, that speed anymore was, is a bit disheartening. Um, and going into it, I was like, right, I'll try to give it a go. And I was in about 25th place and I just, I just kept going backwards and backwards and not literally backwards, but um, I just felt I was getting slower and my hip was getting tighter. And it was just, I just found it really hard. And I was like, you know what? Like it's starting to get really sore now. I got to the second lap and I was like, enough's enough I'm just going to pull out and I'm not that's I'm not like I'm not somebody who likes to pull out mm-hmm. I like to finish races um but I was like I've got this 100k championships in in on the 24th of March if I pull something if it gets if it aggravates even more then that could be me out for the rest of the season and the reason I say it I'll you know I'm not I'm not making excuses but the moment I, I got a PB at the Great Scottish Run Half Marathon. I felt my, again, it was another hip injury I had. Um, and I, I kind of just went through it. I, I ran through it. And I was out for nine months after that. And I don't want to go back to that again. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be on the start line for the 100 British 100K Championships, fresh. Any of the marathons that I do, I've got, I'm a reserve for the, the GB Trail team. Um, so if I get picked for that, then I need to be fresh. I don't want to be injured for that. And then I've also at the end of the well, in August, the end of August, I've got the, the the UTMB. So I've got some pretty big goals, and I think I just need to accept that. You know, I'm not a I'm not a fast cross country runner at the moment. I'm training for other things, and I have to be mm-hmm. more sensible with it. So, so yeah, so that's uh, so yeah, it was a bit disappointing to to pull out, but you know, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm it's it is what it is, you know. I'm 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 not gonna make excuses about it. I just wasn't fit on the day, and I just my hip wasn't right. And you know, ah, you know yeah. what? I've been running for years, years and years to know if I should be running it or not. And I mean, I think in my in my opinion, I made the right decision. But I'm so yeah. glad. What I what I'm what I am. I'm so glad I finished it. Not finished it. I'm so glad I <laughs> you didn't. <took> part in it. <laughs> yeah. Didn't I'm so glad I took part in it because I really, really enjoyed the the build up to it. Even though I knew I just wasn't the, sh- the the shape that I would love to be in. Um, I I just thought it was a, a fantastic race. Such great depth and just really good to see some of my um, just some of the competitors out there. You know, this is their A race and doing so well. Like Cameron Strachan getting a seventh and Amazing. Adam Craig and you know. Absolutely smashing the field, you know. So, uh, if yeah. I, if I can just ju- so if I can just jump in on yours, then I think I think you made a good call. I know it's rough, but I think a lot of listeners will relate to that. That you've gone in to a race that you're, you know, that is not what you're you're training for. You've got a hip issue, and you've got goal races. I mean, if I rewind, say I'm doing a, if I, you know, I'm thinking about my marathon prep. Any race in the build up to that, if I've got an issue, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop short because you. You know, that's you've got to you've got to pick your battles, and you know you've got as you've got international honours coming up. That's you're training for a hundred k, not ten k. You know, I think I think it's I know it's rough, but I think you need to just. I wouldn't be so hard on yourself. Ah, oh, thank you, Tom. I'll keep that head up high, the shoulders back. So yeah, I remember. So I saw so I saw you come through the first lap. Fine, second lap, I didn't see you come through, 
And uh, I obviously I cracked on filming the race. And next thing you know, one of our juniors says to me, uh, "Oh, Kyle's lying on his back in the tent." I thought, "Oh Jesus, what's happened to him?" <laughs> and I, I'll be honest, I, I thought, think I was lying on my back. I think I, I think I went in the tent and had a little cry to myself. Tom. Oh dear. I mean, I I knew your hip was bothering you beforehand. I wanted to go through the tent and just say, "Stop being a fanny, get out there." But I knew I knew your <laughs> hip was being was was the issue. So um, ah, you know what, mate? I don't know what would happen if you jump off the course and then uh, take you part. You know, yeah. I think they would can't really do that because I've already yeah, like yeah, I think you would probably get yeah. Nobody wants to So anyway, yeah. ah, one for the one to one to forget about. One for the back. Yeah. Well, what I would say, you know, what I'm going to say is now, um, you know, this this is a diary for us, Tom. I think we've we've established this. Yes. So when we when we reach the ripe old age of 50, 60, 70, you name it, we can look back in these episodes and go, remember that time that I pulled out at the cross country? I remember that time that Tom got a PB at, at Frankfurt and he he broke sub. He got he, he, he beat Kyle's <laughs> 25. Uh, in, All right, in, you're looking to the future now. Nice. <laughs> I'm looking to the future here. So okay. like so, I think we should be you know I think we are pretty honest on this podcast and um and you know we're putting our we're putting our neck on the line by being honest on it and you know oh, yeah. people are listening to this and uh and, and it's it's a bit of a it can be a bit of a bold move and it's a you've got to be a bit brave to do that but I'm, I'm I've been um I've been I think I've been having a bit of I've struggled with the work life balance at the moment in, in the last kind of few weeks and I've but on a positive note I think I've mentioned it in the past episodes things haven't trainers be going it's been going okay blah 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 um but I sat down on Monday with Debbie and we're like right I need to get myself into a routine I need to make sure that I'm running at this time I'm getting to work because obviously I think work's been taken over probably probably a little bit more than um, it's been taken over, and I've been putting that probably, which is obviously you put work first, um, yeah, family, friends, that kind of you know you need to make sure that the order's right, and I just didn't think the order was right, um, and now I realised it's because I'm probably I've been pretty tired, uh, I've been getting up a little bit later than I should be, so I'm not getting the running, I'm just going straight to work. We were doing three, three or four miles. So I sat down on Monday. I was like, right, I need to make sure that I'm sticking to a plan day in, day out. And okay, things change. But if I want to if I want to do really well at the 100K champs in March, I need to be making sure that I'm getting that sessions in. I'm making sure that I'm getting the volume in. I'm making sure that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to work early. So I'm finishing early-ish and then doing a run at lunch or doing a run straight after work and, Making sure that I'm spending quality time with Debbie, because but it, yeah, I think that hundred k, then it's going to be the marathon. Then I might get, you know, I might somebody might get injured for the world trail and then champs, and I'll get a space, and I have to be ready for that. And then ultimately the UTMB, I don't want to be going there and you know half arsed and training. So yeah. a hundred miles is a long way. Exactly. You know, like you, you, remember, mate, you're running for two now. If you you're you know exactly. you're running for the podcast. If you if you uh, if you're shit, that's on me as well. Now, how, don't you dare yes. drag the TRS brand <laughs> through the dirt. Pull your finger out. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's funny you say that because you know what? Do you know what Debbie said? Because obviously she's not doing as much competitions at the moment. She says you're running for two as well. So you're running for yeah, three. You're running for me. And you're running for <laughs> for three. Yeah, exactly. 
So that's five people I'm running for now. Holy moly! Exactly. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of a lot of weight in my uh, in those broad shoulders of mine. Exactly. Uh, so, I tell you what, mate. I'm so not, anyway, I'm, we're, I know the, we're talking. The, we haven't said this in the podcast, but we're potentially talking about uh, me coming out to crew fight the UTMB, which would be amazing. I ain't coming out to Chamonix to see uh, you DNF, mate. Sort it out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. I've uh, I've I've had a massive boot up my arse uh, this week and cool. it's kind of brought me it's brought my mojo back when I think some sometimes you just need somebody to say look sort your shit out and sort your life you know not so, I mean okay I had the work you know do my work uh, maybe spending just things were just brought forward brought brought back during the day a lot and I think it was yeah it was it's probably based on on you know lack of routine and you know things can go wrong but you know by the time it gets to July you know I'm gonna have a baby so I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to we're gonna be having a baby Jesus not Christ. you Tom but Debbie we're gonna have to sort our shit out you know I'm gonna have to sort my shit out I'm bringing a sub sure that the routine's we're, there. we're bringing a, yeah. a substitute in for the for the summer <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'm not sure you can you can manage all, all of it. Fascinating. It's going to be carnage. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think I've rambled enough there, and you, I think your beer's almost drunk. So I just wanted to get that out. I wanted to get it off my chest. That this isn't this is a positive podcast, but some things sometimes well, things don't go right, and you need to you need to sort them out. And I think for if if I wasn't honest, then it wouldn't be. Uh, it wouldn't be a, a decent podcast and I wouldn't want to reflect back on it. So, um, so yeah, there, there you go, Tom. But that, that kind of rounds, rounds up my, uh, my experience. Um, but I did have, I had a fun day on the Saturday night. Uh, Tell us. I was, um, no, no idea why, no, no idea why I was a guest speaker at the HBT or uh, <laughs> annual do they had, uh, but it was, it was an amazing, it was an amazing night. So thank you for inviting me. And, uh, I hope, I hope I didn't bore the, bore the audience too much with my uh, my ramblings. <laughs> so basically what they did, they put a sweepstake on how long I would chat for. And they, they said between, you know, 10 to 20 odd minutes. So what, how long do you think it took me to, to chat waffle shite for? 24 minutes. Remember I'm a waffler. What? 24 minutes. 20, 22 minutes, 55. So oh, okay. they, they, they all put in a pound or something. The winner gets all the money or something. Oh, like that. okay. But, yeah, they had Stuart Bruin as their. Um, they bought oh, kegs nice. of beer. And Very nice. It was basically just. I had lots of complimentary uh, beers to drink, so that was oh Jesus. And I know this is yeah, it's a running podcast, and you, I've just said that I've, I'm trying to knuckle down, but sometimes you need to let you need to uh, let your hair. What's the word? Blow off some steam. Let your hair go. Blow some steam. Yeah, let yeah. your hair down. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, that, that's so. So yeah, it was a good night, and then back Sunday, uh, four-hour bus journey back to to, to Aberdeen. So that was interesting. I was right. Luckily, it was a toilet on the bus. But... <laughs> Excellent. Well, what a weekend for you! Uh, Highs and uh, lows. Yeah, so a roller back coaster. To normal now, eh? Good. Yeah. Anyway, what about you? So you, you you were running about like a fairy in, at the cross country and sat on Saturday. I was. So what, I mean, what, how about your running? Because my running is last week was was rubbish i mean since after we podcast it just went downhill like I, I was quite positive last monday thinking okay um hopefully get some runs in and then i did i ran tuesday wednesday and both times the knee was really sore so anyway i took a couple of days off doing a bunch of stretches again and it it, it seems to be a bit better I'm, I'm seeing the physio tomorrow actually which is good so um yeah and as a result i was going into the saturday i was obviously committed to going down 
with the team and with the guys and I was just like, you know, this is going to be super depressing standing watching the national. So keen to go and support Fee, but I thought I'm just going to be watching the men's race going, oh, these, I'm so far out of shape, blah, 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 you know. And actually, I was so, it really fired me up. It fired me up to get back in shape and I just really enjoyed it. It just reminded me of, you know, one thing, when we started podcasting, I remember thinking to myself, we started like almost what, April last year, May last year. And I remember thinking, this yeah. is going to be amazing when we're talking about things like the national. So I remember, th- so I thought to myself, do you know what? This is what it's all about. From the podcast, this is actually, this is pretty, yeah. there's a lot to do, a lot of coverage, a lot of opportunity. And it was great, you know, just the races were great to watch, you know. I mean, you got to remember, this is it's a national champs. As an athletics fan, it is the race you want to watch. And, you know, take the yeah. women's race. You're watching, you know, a British, uh, a Top class British runner, you know what? She what Steph Roll ran in December, the fastest Scottish marathon in like eight years or something. Great talent to watch. So, uh, yeah, had a great day, had a blast. So pleased for the guys who did run well. So pleased for my wife for Fiona running really well. And and yeah, it was just a brilliant day. So that is anyway. I then I did run. I did four miles easy beforehand. I did a five miles yesterday as well. So and I just did six miles tonight. So my new philosophy is I'm just going to try and run. Keep not try and get ahead of myself to try and get this knee under control. I'm pretty sure it's quad related. I'll see the physio t- again tomorrow. See if I get some progress. But I've now gotten to the stage that I've written off Boston, and as much as that pains me, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to race the Boston Marathon. That, that's clear. I'm yeah. not going to be able to race the big half next month, which is also sad. I got my championship entry through this week, and I was like, you know, that's, ah. that really is a kick in the balls when you get a reminder. Ah. But do you know what? I'm going. I'm going to be down. I'm not going to run that. I'm not going to race Boston. I hopefully will run Boston anyway. And I, do you know what? I'm going to find a 10k in May or June and just get my finger out and hopefully get into shape for that. Which is a bit of a. I know a few weeks ago I was like, I'll definitely going to. I think I can race Boston, but that's it's not going to happen. So, um, we'll see. I just need to get fit now. I just need to get the knee sorted. That's the priority, and then and get running. Yeah. Um, but yeah, watching the national got me really like, yeah, and I want to get back in shape. I want to get fixed. You know, I want to. I want to be fit and healthy yeah. again to run these things so yeah so a bit of a, a bit of a, a depressing one on the fitness front but i guess that pretty much leads us into talking properly about the national it was amazing absolutely well i'm gonna firstly you know we're again we're fairly biased here but i want to send my congratulations to fiona bryan tom's wife what a performance she had i, I was absolutely stoked to see her getting a sixth place like that field was absolutely i think you know, I, we we talk about the standards of cross country. Like I would, say, you know, that's probably the the for me anyway. Looking at the standard of both the men and the the senior women's field, like that's probably the best, the, the highest standard that's been for quite a, quite a while, I think. Oh yeah. And, and in terms of the standard, in terms of distance running in Scotland, you're never going to see such a high standard of of runners coming together in any other event. So like your your track races and your your road running and even the marathon, like in the standard of distance runners all come together in various disciplines from triathlon, mm-hmm. ultra running, trails, cross country, track, whatever disciplines have we not said. Yeah, like road, know. yeah, of course. And that's it. Marathon, whatever. Um, like everyone's, uh, it's just such a super stacked field. And I, I think it's, you know, for, for Fiona, it's to get a six. I know she was fourth last year, but she came back from injury last year yeah. and she was she wasn't she was barely running she, you know she it took her a while to get back but now that she's back she's firing all cylinders again and 
you know, and I, you know, I'm, I'm sure she's probably got. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure we should get her on the podcast and <laughs> you know tell her how it was to how it was to get back from injury and and, and give yeah. you some encouragement, Tom, and any other injured runners out there. It's, it it shows you you can be injured for a good few months and you can come back and you just as fit if not fitter. Exactly. And uh, I think I was really inspired by Fiona's performance, like because that was a super stacked field and and uh, yeah and hope. And, and certainly, you know, a couple other people, um, you know, Cameron Strachan, this time last year, what was his position? I think he was in the... He was he was just in front of me, that's who he was, so he was like, yeah. I don't know, oh, 80th or something, yeah. 70th maybe. So he's 70th, and this, this year he's he's managed to, he's like managed to improve his position and come out and get 7th place in the Nationals, and, you know, beating some amazing runners, like, you know, Derek Hawkins, I think... Did he beat Derek? No, or Derek was, was in front behind of him. Derek. Yeah, beat, just, he, just ahead. He beat um, Ali Hay, which he was pretty chuffed about. It's the first time he's taken right, a yeah, win over Ali. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I mean, but he, what I would say about the senior men's, like Adam Craig was in a in a you know a league of his own. To be honest, I mean, he, we'll go on. I'm sure you'll speak about that, Tom, in your your commentary. But like from second to like 10th or even a late it was only like 40 seconds separating yeah i mean what well, was the, i ran so with cameron on called. sunday and his comment was he was yeah. he was 20 seconds off a medal you know that's Which how tight amazing. it was and you know it's you're right it's the whole top 10 was so tight yeah so yeah but anyway what, so what was your take on the the event then what was your take on the the senior men's race let's so, start off with that so, so your okay. top three so, what has become apparent, and we mentioned this during the comment, well, I mentioned during the commentary, is you and I, what we made some pretty bad calls last week. I cannot believe, with hindsight, that we didn't put Adam Craig on for the win. I mean, he is an absolute I different I class. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go back to this. I'm sure I said Adam Craig. Okay, well, I, I need to. I've listened to last week, so we need to check. But I, anyway, me then. So I'm, I've made a terrible call. Adam Craig is in. And he's a different class. Incredible shape. And that run, so dominant. I mean, no one even went with him except Sean Fontana for the first, like, kilometre. But, um, <laughs> foolishly. But Adam Craig is, is is legit. He is, he's an absolute animal. And I was really impressed with that. I mean, coming down the final straight, he was coasting. So he definitely didn't go full beans to finish. And he was 58 seconds in front of the second place. Over 10k. That, that is, is crazy. outrageous. Different yeah. class. I mean, and... like, it, there's probably a little bit of, um, you know, a, l- a little bit of proof when he ran the the Armour 5K oh, and he, yeah. he, he came second in 1344. Like, you know, we should have been like, holy moly, this, there's not many five guys in Scotland who can run a, a sub-40 minute 5K on the road, never mind, uh, you know, 1345, which is pff, it's an incredible time. Um, you know, other than people like Andy Butcher. Uh, yeah. You so know, that was whoever so, else we've got. So you so Adam Craig, incredible run. Next up, Kevin Wood in second. So those who have seen our video commentary on or video coverage on Facebook will notice that we had no I had no idea who Kevin Wood is. And I still don't. So he is not on power ten from what I can see, unless he's a V sixty, which is the only Kevin Wood I can find on there. So I I've <laughs> not, I, I'm ashamed to say we're doing a podcast where we we are we're we're definitely not experts, but we're trying to bring some insight. I have no idea who this guy is. None. I've I've tried to find some information about him. I've just googled Kevin Wood runner and nothing. I mean, he must be like a Kevin Wood. Is it Kevin Wood or Kevin Woods? Kevin Wood, no S. 
Oh, so, okay, there's a Kevin Woods from, from Ireland, date of birth. Oh, but he's like a... He was like a 200-meter uh, runner, 22.8, 449-point. That was 800 meters, 150. That, that's not the same boy. So, I don't think. Anyway, so anyway, he's a St. Andrews Uni student, is all I know. I don't, I've got, that's all I've got on him. He's a student of St. Andrews Uni, so there you go. So that's that was interesting point number one. I had no idea who this guy was off the front of the group. And on, on the first lap, I didn't even pay any attention to him because I thought... He's a. He's not really there for any. He'll hang on for a lap and he'll fade away. He didn't. Michael Christofferow in third place. So only two seconds behind Kevin Wood. That's a really good run for Michael. Um, he medals at the East Districts, I think. So he's you know, Michael is is a proven entity. Third place yeah. only. Oh, sorry, fourth place only six seconds back. Great run from Cal McKenzie. He might be a bit disappointed he didn't medal. It's a good opportunity. Michael Ferguson. We talked about. He was just behind. That was a good sprint finish between those two. Derek Hawkins in sixth. Derek definitely on his way back. Um, he he was I think Derek was sitting in a medal position on the second lap and then he fell off the back of those guys on the last lap. Our man Cameron Strachan seventh, great run from him. Um, Ali Hay in eighth, only a second back. Who on the finishing straight was I mean Ali made up a lot of ground on that last bit, really motoring. Uh, we'll come back to Ali when we talk to the team prize. Lachlan Oates in ninth, who did a lot of work early on. I thought Ali I thought Lachlan would have run. I thought I had him down for the win. Bad call. He looked like he yeah. faded quite badly in the last lap. And then running off the top 10, we had Cameron Milne of Central AC, who was always in the mix, always in that big group that were sort of, just that huge group that ran for a bit, that, but didn't really, you know, he, he he didn't really look like he was ever going to meddle off that group, but it looked like he was he was capable of staying with them all the way. So, yeah. solid top 10. Oh, yeah. It's, it's an incredible top 10. So what about the the senior women's? What did you make of that then? So on the senior women's, I thought it was a class class run from Steph Twell. She, I mean, to have the confidence in your ability to sit off the back of the group for one and a half, two laps, and then just go and open up a commanding, you know, I say commanding, what, 15 seconds, something like that. You know, that's real class. She looked, she didn't look worried on the first two laps. Um, and I thought, and I think that's a very well-deserved win. It shows that she's in good shape and she knows it. You know, to have that kind of confidence. The next, similar to the men's race, she then had a sort of second bunch, although obviously they were closer to Steph than the men's side. Um, Moira Stewart, I'd never heard of till last week. I did hear in the days leading up to it that she was, she was going to be running and she was a strong, um, strong entity. Having, I think she's been picked for the Czech team for the World Cross already. So she's, she, you know, she's an international class runner. And she's won some races on the continent recently, so she was. It's not a surprise to those in the know that she did well. Um, but the interesting one that I thought in the women's race and the, the solid, I thought was a really impressive run, was Morag Miller for third. To see her come through on that last lap and go past Mary McLennan, you know, who's been in such good shape this winter. You know, I mean, you look at it. Morag was only nine seconds off, um, off second place. Really, really strong run yeah. from her. There was. Um, and more like someone we've seen on the circuit for years, you know, former national champion, East District champion. So it was really nice, really pleased to see her run so well. Yeah, and then in fourth place we had, well, obviously we had Mary McLean, and then fifth was Els- Elspeth Curran. Yeah. And then finally, well, in, in sixth place we had Fiona, well, your wife. Yeah. Who, you know, there wasn't a huge amount. She was, uh, you know, at, at, at some at times I thought, you know, I think Fiona could get uh, Elspeth here, you know, and. She looked like she was. Fiona looked a little bit stronger than than Elspeth, but 
Um, but hey, you know, I mean, a fifth, a sixth place is in, in awesome. And going back to the first, the top four, it was the top four were running together for a long yeah. time, and then and that, obviously, you know, Steph just pumped pumped it out, and off she went. That's an so that's an interesting. So one, I think Fiona's, if she had any regrets, is that she tried, she went off relatively conservatively just to, you know, let them go. She wasn't, she you know, she she wasn't there for the win. She knows that, and she was, she let them go. But actually, she ended up running most of the race on her own. So she was pretty much yeah. lap, like halfway through the first lap, she was on her own. Katie White and uh, Michelle Sanderson were never going to catch her. Elspeth Curran had a big enough gap that she wasn't really, she was potentially coming back to in the last lap, but it was quite a big gap. So she ran most of the race on her own. And I think she is wondering if she'd maybe gone out a bit harder, could she have hung on to Elspeth? But anyway, strong run. I mean, Fiona's, I think, in really good longer road shape at the moment. So... Really excited to see what she can do at the big half and then the Scottish 10-mile champs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I can't speak for Fiona, but if she was to go off harder, especially with the longer kind of run she's doing, it might not have necessarily put her in a, you know, she might have ended up falling back a little bit more. Uh, but, hey, you know, I'm sure Fiona will, will know. But, but like you say, you know, when you're running with someone else, you do you get that advantage with, with Shelton behind and the drag, less drag. And I think the top four must have had a good, you know, for a while they would have worked together to, you know, to really pull away from the rest of the field. So you, you never know. I mean, if Fiona was to push off and just tuck in behind the, the top four girls, then things could have been slightly different. But, yeah. you know, we're... All, all things aside, she, she had a fantastic run, and uh, yeah, well done, Fiona. So on the women, so just to talk about the two races, I think what is worth doing is talk about the team prize. So the team prize, the team competition, it was in the women's side anyway. Uh, third place was Shettleston, second place HBT, and the winning team Fife. Which I, what having watched the race, I'm really surprised by that. Watching course side, I thought it was going to be. Met, I thought Metro would medal because they were so there were three stacked in the top 15. I thought HPT would do well because there was a lot of their vests coming through. But what this new five to count really does is it really actually means you need to be relatively strong deep. I mean, if you take Fife, who won it, for example, Fife's first counter was Megan Crawford in 19th place. Now, Metro had three, and I use Metro just as an example because I know the, know the club. Metro had three vests in, ahead of that, ahead of their first counter yet finished 12th because our we had three strong but then when you go back to four five and six counter we've got you know 128 250 or something positions so you really have to have five strong counters and i actually heard from uh someone on the day that fife's last counter she on sorry fife's sixth counter who didn't get count for a medal because it's five to count she overtook an HBT girl, a few people, including the HBT fifth counter on the finishing straight. So she bumped the HBT counter back enough for the Fife win. If you see what oh, I mean. Oh, wow. Which oh, is really okay. impressive. So, so that, uh, she didn't medal, but uh, she yeah. contributed. So that makes, uh, do you know what? That, I think that's a great move because, okay, it's you could have your top three, top four, but it makes it a lot more, you know, a lot more inclusive for the from the top end to even further back. So even though you think you're one of the slower runners in the team, you still might count for that medal. Absolutely. Which is interesting. Absolutely. So you don't necessarily have to be one of the top runners in the field to, to count for the team prize if you've got more more athletes. Unless you've got, you know, obviously if you've got a really good top, you know, you, you really you, you glory hunt for, 
not glory hunt, but you you poach uh, other runners from other clubs to get the best club you can you can have. But um, but that's that's interesting. I really like that. I really like that. There's more um, you know m- more runners counting for the team award. I think it encourages participation. And actually, it shows that because the it was a record female entry. I think. I'm not sure on finishing yeah. numbers if that's the case, but and that, when you look at the result, as I say, I've, you know, we're sitting here, you've got Metro, we had 6, 13, and 16, our first three finishers, but ultimately finished 12 because, for example, our 5th and 6th counters are 195 and 230th. To compete, it's not good enough. You look at 5, 19, 26, 30, 32, 41. So you've got all your counters essentially inside the top 41. I mean, that's a really, that's a strong, and they deserve to win it. And we've said, to be fair, 5, have got a strong women's team. Europe, they went to the European Cross or something. They were, you know, when they... Yeah, when yeah, they, yeah European you know, the, Team Cross. European yeah. Team Cross. So, well-deserved. So, good. Mm. Well done, Fife. Um, and, yeah, just a, yeah, so a great race. Just jump to have the same discussion on the men's side then. So, this is what we want to talk about when I said we'd come back to Ali Hay. So, Central, I didn't realise this until uh, this week, until after the race. Nine in a row. Central AC have won the, the men's championship at the national nine years in a row. So they've just they right. taken what the record previously shared with uh, Canvas Lang, who had eight in a row. So, I mean, that is unbelievable. And when you start to look into the number over the nine years, the, 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 the breadth of people who've contributed, I think there's 17 guys have fe- featured in that. And Ali Hay has run in seven of those teams, or counted in seven of those teams. I mean, that is a serious... Seriously impressive record. That, and, is, that uh, is impressive. We didn't call it last week. We didn't call it at all. And I and my problem is central. Yeah. You don't you you think okay, there's no there's no butcher, there's you know there's no big name there. But actually, when you look at the guys that they do have running, you forget that okay, you've got Ali Hay who's in great form. But even going back, you know guys who are, we know are not going to win it, but they're strong enough to count really highly and say the top twenty: Cameron Milne, uh, Conan McGoke, Dale Colley. Mikey Wright, who had a great finish, really strong finish. Um, you know, Mikey's the Scottish Marathon champion, and he's finishing 21st at the national and contributing to a team team prize. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. So, well deserved, and and I, I guess a really, really big tip of the cap to Ali Hay for that record. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I yeah, I, I don't think I could say any more than what you said. I think you've you summed it up really well. Positive uh, event. Uh, what about the 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 filming of it. Did you watch any of the the the, the drone footage? So I. What do you mean the what do you mean the footage? You mean our footage? So yeah, the, I did watch not, some. The, there was yeah. Our footage, and then there was uh, there was a Scottish athlete. They they had some footage. So I, I watched. The, I, I watched. It the pretty good, but uh, I'm so gonna I give a shout out. I think we should be the commentators. I think we'd make a better job. So I watched the Scottish athletics foot the Vinco footage afterwards, and the quality is very good, but. No disrespect, Scottish Lakes, but the commentary was just dull. I mean, it was really dire. Honestly, I mean, I, I really wasn't, I wasn't taken with it. The best thing they've produced is the the video, the some the highlights video, which just has some sort of cheesy music on it, and it's a really good video. And there's some great shots. You know, they've got this drone shot of the start, and you can just see this monster group of guys running away. It's absolutely amazing footage, but. To be honest, the TRS footage has been getting some pretty good traction on social media. It has, so. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> are we are we conflict there? Eh? But hey, yeah. you know, it's a uh, it's a different angle of footage, and um, I'm sure both 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 uh, yeah, and um, everyone else used their filming. But 
Yeah, you you did a got good a great job of running about uh, filming the event, Tom. I was I was awful impressed. And you know what? We've both run races, obviously. And you like people like to go back and find a video of them running. So people, you know, I think that's yeah. probably the, a lot of people right. will be going back to see. Oh, was I? Oh, I heard that these guys have filmed it. Am I on it? So I was delighted to do it. And you know, every time we go to a race, I'm not running. I'm going to do it again because I think it's a. Obviously, we did it at the Ribble Valley 10K, and I think yeah, I think it's a. It's a good. It's it's also giving something back, isn't it? It's giving back to the people. It's us doing it's giving, our bit. Giving back to the people. That's why we. That's why we do a podcast, Tom, because it inspires people to go out, get out, go and do their run, listen to us rambling shite for an hour and a half for two hours. Now, if it wasn't for us, Tom, these people would wouldn't be getting PBs. They wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't at all. Well, they they no, would be. They would just, all, all they, they would be. Us. They would be getting PBs. It'd just be a bit less entertained. That's all. So. Anyway, so uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. well done to everyone who Rambling ran. Again. And also, I just want to say a big shout out. Thank you to everyone who came up and said hello or gave us a kudos on or a like on the day or a comment. I mean, we've, I know we've said this before. We do this because we like it, because we enjoy it. We don't get paid. There's It's our own time. But do you know what? It means the world when someone comes up and says, love the show. And that's all. That is just brilliant. So thank you to a few guys who gave me a shout uh, on the day. It was much appreciated. Yeah, you too, everyone. Some folk didn't. I was uh, I was in a bad mood after the race. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I made a sharp exit. <laughs> it was raining as well. It started raining, so that was it. I'm out. See ya. So sorry if I was grumpy at the end, folks. So I think we've pretty much covered that then. Right, so we've got a, an amazing interview coming up just now, which we haven't really spoke about. So, But we will obviously put in the, the main title. So do you, want to sit, do you want to tee this one up, Tom? Yeah, so last week I sat down with Fraser Klein and brother Colm O'Connell, who we know is the godfather of Kenyan running. He's a extremely famous coach out in I-10 in Kenya, you know, coaching most famously recently David Rodisha to his Olympic gold. So really interesting guy, really interesting story. And yeah, one I hope that the listeners and athletics fans will enjoy. I'm sat here post Hazelhead Park run with two running legends, Fraser Klein and Cole McConnell from Kenya. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tom. Before we go, obviously, I, you know we're aware of, of who you are, and, and why don't you give our, our listeners a, a bit of a background into who you are? And you're, you know, we know you as the godfather of running in Kenya uh, in I-10. You know, how did how did that journey and, and how did that start for you out there? Yeah, well, I grew up in Ireland. I'm from Cork, um, and. Um, once I finished university in Ireland, I was posted to uh, become a secondary school teacher uh, near Dublin. And um, my original coaching experience was in football. Uh, an opportunity came for me to travel and work in Kenya uh, in 1976. And uh, I was very fortunate to land in a school which had a sporting tradition, not just athletics, but across the range sports. And I was a sports enthusiast. and. Uh, I was also very fortunate in that the young volunteer teachers in the school at the time were really sports fanatics, basketball, football, volleyball, field hockey, athletics. Mm-hmm. So I landed into that culture and that was uh, fantastic for me. Um, I just happened to deviate a little bit uh, into uh, athletics because there was uh, a coach at the time. Um, teacher in the school called Peter Foster, a brother of Brendan Foster's. Uh, And uh, P 
Peace had a track team and uh, he was coming near the end of his stay in the school and he needed somebody who would uh, continue with the program so um, maybe I look like a likely candidate uh-huh. he said uh, you know that can can um, continue coaching the athletes so I um, said but Pete I, I really don't know anything about athletics so he said fantastic no problem you learn once you have the passion and the interest you learn you know mm-hmm. uh, and at that level you didn't really need to know too much about the technical side of the sport okay. uh, the kids he said will, will also teach you a lot about it because watching becoming observant a uh, little bit of trial and error what works what doesn't work mm-hmm. and you know if you're interested you, you'll pick up on all that mm-hmm. so I worked with him for one year and then at the end of that year he left the school uh, I was uh, now uh, basically the track coach um, I was very fortunate that there were a couple of other teachers as well mm-hmm. who were fitness fanatics who were able to help out with the, mm-hmm. with the exercise work and some of the training um, so um, gradually then of course I, I, I built up my uh, observation powers of being able to uh, latch on to the culture and uh, the, the way the kids were thinking, the motivation and um, it wasn't until the five years later that I learned anything about the technical training in the sport. Okay. That was through uh, um, a German coach who came to Kenya to uh, implement a program for young coaches like myself. So okay. it took off from there. And from there did you, you continue to coach the school or what, at what stage did that did you sort of move into more real just athletics coaching and, and developing talent yeah well my first three years were in a school St. Patrick's High School is a boarding school for boys mm-hmm. which means I had a kind of captive audience I had um, five or six hundred kids 24-7 so uh, and there was a program already there um, um, we had a neighboring school a similar one for girls uh, girls did not really uh, it wasn't uh, athletics wasn't still very common among girls as a running uh, as a as a as a, um, a sport and uh, I was I felt that maybe maybe the girls can also run maybe 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 I also get involved in our neighboring school so um, around 1979 three years after coming I began to coach in the girls school and uh, um, I think one of my reasons was not necessarily, I, I never realized that I, the sport was going to gather such momentum. For me it was fun, it was uh, a way of connecting with the kids, it was um, something that the kids could see uh, helped them to, to get on in life because some of them used uh, uh, their track uh, ability to get track and field scholarships to the United States. Remember, the sport was still amateur in those days, so there was no great um, um, uh, financial incentives to become an athlete. However, there was the pride of a young country. Kenya was mm-hmm. only uh, te- a decade old in terms of, of independence. And, of course, uh, athletics became uh, was very much to the forefront of, here we are, we're, we're putting our nation on the map uh, uh, as, a, as a sporting country. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Track and field became the great promoter of that. Mm-hmm. Kenya uh, didn't win its first gold medal until 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. 
and uh, there was an era of iconic athletes at that mm-hmm. time Naftali Temo, Kipchoge Kaino, Mike Boyd um, so we, ha- we had role models mm-hmm. so to speak and people to look up to um, uh, so I built on all that psyche that, that, that idea that uh, this is something that can uh, promote you it can promote your country uh, in those days as I said besides it giving getting them an opportunity to be further their education it also gained you it got your recognition mm-hmm. uh, pride in your country um, travel Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it, it had I had to appeal to other motives mm-hmm. nowadays of course you can it's, it's a career so it's a, mm-hmm. a, a, you can you know get a, a nice uh, lifestyle out of it but in those days it was very very different you mentioned <coughs> role models there the, the importance of role models and this continuing development of the, the great depth of talent and how important is that and I think something else that you've spoken about previously is having these role models but these role models are actually within the local running community we're staying with the other runners or training with them how important is all that in the whole the overall development of the sport there was an era we'll say in the 70s when most of kenya's elite athletes like mike boyd henry rona and those uh, went on track scholarships to the united states so uh, the kids uh, from from that particular decade did not have so many role models resident in Kenya. Um, now, once the sport became professional, uh, to, to, towards the end of the 1980s in Kenya, uh, athletes could now train in their place of choice because there was sponsorship, there were shoe companies, there was mm-hmm. prize money, uh, and the athletes could now um, make it make make a conscious uh, they, they didn't have to work they didn't have to train in their place of work they could train mm-hmm. in, so the 10 gradually became a center for um training altitude climate uh, in a certain sense isolation away from urban distractions mm-hmm. um with the result and then because many of the the, the budding athletes were products of the schools in the Eten area, they came back to Eten to train. Now, when they gained elite status, so to speak, and became role models, practically all of them settled in the Eten area. They didn't isolate themselves and move away from their local communities and live in more gated communities and more isolated places. They lived and trained in the little village of Eten. So the kids in the schools could see their role models every day out training. Wow, they could, they could see them, the, 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 the hard work, the routine, and the, 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 the sweating, the effort that they had to make to become successful. So kids from the beginning, perhaps had no disillusion, were not disillusioned about what it takes to be a great athlete. Mm-hmm. They could see it on a practical level that this thing is not just uh, mm-hmm. achieved, uh, you know, because you're highly talented or something like that mm-hmm. or given more opportunities than somebody else they began to realize that we, 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 we've got to do the work mm-hmm. if, 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 you're, if, you're if, not just seeing the the golden moment yes. of finishing waving to the crowd you're seeing it on a day-to-day yeah. basis you're seeing all the sweat the process and determination exactly yeah. so, so they began to realize the value of focus mm-hmm. commitment routine training 
it's a lifestyle, go, isn't it? Pardon? It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, exactly. Mm. And the lifestyle you have to live. You must give up all the maybe uh, trappings of your age mates, <laughs> you know, mm. when mm. they're out enjoying themselves and late nights and whatever, whatever. Uh, you have to uh, knuckle down to it and mm. realize that if I want to become a and. That cuts across the board for anybody who wants to be <laughs> good at what they do. Sacrifices have to be made. Mm-hmm. There's no shortcut. Yeah, and that's it. And, and the kids began to realise that from a very young age. So even now, the kids I train are very clear on if you want to become an elite athlete. There's no shortcut. It's mm-hmm. a, it, it's there's, there's no quick fix. Mm. I remember uh, reading an interview with you where somebody had asked the question, so what is the secret uh, of hmm. success of the Kenyan athletes? I think you, your reply was, there is no secret. You know, it is all down to that hard work. That yeah, it, 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 of course you, you would always like to think that there is something special that you do that somebody else doesn't do. I think, uh, you know, and so many researches have been done, genetics, anthropology, culture, uh, <laughs> lifestyles and, and everything like that. In E10 now, uh, where most of the athletes tend to congregate and train, um, it's just the, the running culture. There, there's a running atmosphere there that that um, you get sucked into it. And, and, and if you if you have the, the, the commitment and if you have the focus and, and you're willing to make the sacrifices, you're in an ideal situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and uh, I think now there is continuity to it. perhaps the, the schools in the area were the original things that triggered off the uh, the, the, the beginnings of the culture mm-hmm. there were two schools that I was associated with okay. they, they were the beginnings but now of course it has gone much wider than schools because and uh, now it's athletes not just from Kenya from all over the world come yeah. to train there uh, because they find it so enriching so uh, um, motivating, mm-hmm. just just to be there, just just to pick up the vibes, so to speak, of the training culture, mm-hmm. and 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 so many will come out there. We have a few European athletes at the moment who are doing very well on the world scene. We have uh, Julian Vanders. Oh, of course, uh, well, European record for the European. half last week. Right, half yeah. and ten k. And ten k mm. on the road. We have uh, Sandra Moon from Norway, two zero five marathon. Mm-hmm. Wow. We have the Robinson twins yeah, from New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, in a sense, they they are fantastic role models in the sense that forget about genetics or the fact that uh, this sport is confined to Kenyans or Ethiopians, particularly in long distance. These guys have proven if you're prepared to do the work. Mm. If you're prepared to get go into the lion's den, <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 train with the Kenyans and break down any mental barriers you might have mm-hmm. uh, about running and who's good at running, uh, it's possible, mm. and they have proven it. So, so how do we make Aberdeen the <laughs> European Eten? <laughs> well, I, I, yes. we go back again to the 1970s and 80s when I went to Kenya in the 1970s who were the kings of middle distance running the British mm-hmm. Sebko Steve Ovet mm-hmm. followed by Steve Graham Peter Elliott Tom McKean uh, before that we mm-hmm. had 
Brendan Foster, Ian Stewart. Where are they gone? Where's running yeah. gone in middle and long distance? Yeah. There was a culture of running. There was a pride in running. And obviously, somebody was doing something at grassroots mm-hmm. to bring kids through the system. Yeah. Which may not be there so much anymore. I don't know. That, that, that's a challenge. You know? So. Yeah. It's something a phrase and I've talked about. You talk about in the, you know, the, you know, in your know, 80s, the marathon times, for example, in Scotland, were the, the the depth was so much stronger and more broadly in Britain than it is today. And and the differences in terms of what your average club runner are doing, it's not so obvious uh, on the face of it. You know, and, and I think, but I think ultimately it probably does come down to work. It's pro, you know, hard work. Uh, there, as you said, there is no there's no shortcut. You know, there's, uh, there's, it's not, there wasn't something in the water back then that there's not now. It's it's hard work. And then you talk about training. Then what, what's talk us through some of your philosophies on training. I know that I've read that you like to personalise training to the athlete, and you're it's, you know. Now how, because how you because work? of the way I was introduced to the sport, not have having had a, a very great technical knowledge of athletics before I went there. Um, uh, I think I I I built my training on seeing and observing and getting responses from my athletes because I said I, I learned through trial and error so I became a person that became very sensitive to how is the athlete reacting to the train session how, how is he reacting to, to the type of program I have and I keep, I keep adjusting the program you know uh, so I, I kind of uh, emphasize more that the program uh, the, the program is for the athlete rather than the athlete for the program so yeah. I built it on that idea. Now, of course, I went to Kenya in an era when they had boycotted the 1976 Olympics, the year I arrived, the week I arrived in July, wow. and they boycotted 1980 Olympics in Moscow. Mm-hmm. So from 72 to 84, 12 years, Kenya had no Olympians. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a, a big um, uh, drawback for Kenyan athletics, of course, uh, but was my opportunity I got a little bit of time to adjust mm-hmm. and to find out things mm-hmm. in fact in 84 Kenya only won one goal in steeplechase mm. in Los Angeles as a result of all those bicots and 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 and, and, and uh, there was a kind of a depression in Kenyan athletics uh, during that era now um, so I, there was no great expectations also I didn't put any pressure on myself that mm. See, I see. I, I didn't go out to produce iconic athletes <laughs> or mm-hmm. superstars. Uh, that was a byproduct of mm-hmm. a much more basic thing. I wanted to coach the kids, uh, get them enthusiastic about sports, um, uh, connect with them. Mm-hmm. Sports was one of the great way of connecting with young people. You know, uh, aside from being a teacher in class. You know, which can mm-hmm. be more formal, or you're seen more as a disciplinarian, <laughs> or whatever. You want to get them through exams. Sports is a great leveler. When, when you're with kids, they, they don't mm-hmm. see you as a different person, or they don't see you as a, in a different role. They see you as one of them, in mm-hmm. a sense. You're, you're, you're with them. Mm-hmm. It, it connects. Mm-hmm. So, my coaching kind of came out of that atmosphere. That that I I I I a, a program for me. Would, is only a very general framework which I have in my mind about 
mileage or speed work or endurance or technique or whatever and I move the pieces around inside mm -hmm. depending upon the needs and, and what I see what, what my athlete is doing mm -hmm. you know it's not regimental um, mm. and, and I, I found that in a sense maybe the approach I use approach rather than program uh, is an approach made in Kenya mm -hmm. for Kenyans and I think that's why it, people latched onto it mm -hmm. is that they felt this is not something scientifically worked out in a, in a European or American university or something, mm -hmm. that this is how you should train to maximize your potential or mm -hmm. whatever. It was very basic coming from inside. Uh, and even training somebody like Rhodesia, people would say to me, how many kilometers a week does he do mileage? Uh, Americans particularly mm -hmm. are a little bit obsessed with mileage. Mm -hmm. um, and... David ran very sparingly in terms of mileage, you know, uh, because I kind of you respond to what you get. See, David started out as a, a 200 meter runner when I saw him first in uh, primary school, mm -hmm. and it was only you know a few years later that I eventually were, had to nudge him into do eight, doing 800 meters. Mm. So, um, okay. he, but but he's a power runner. As you, as you know from yeah. the London Olympics, he runs Absolutely. from the front. He's, he's a, he has a presence during the race, yeah. so to speak, and that's his mentality. That's his focus. Um, before him, I coached Wilson Kipkater. Okay. Wilson, product of St Patrick's as well. Oh, okay. Program. So I had the two great 800 meter runners for a, a long period of time. Uh, Wilson, if you watch his race, studies races, Wilson much more graceful. Mm. quiet runner Wilson will sit in the middle of the pack and you won't even notice him suddenly he's at the front mm. you can't hide David <laughs> <laughs> you know Wilson's about 5 foot 10 David yeah. is 6 foot 4 <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little so you, you have to respond to so when you have a program you must you must work with what you've got the mm. person you've got the, the, the mentality the motivation the technique even the physical size. Okay. Uh, back to the other scene. My first Olympic champion was Peter Ronald. Mm -hmm. Much to the <laughs> disappointment of Steve Cram. He beat Steve Cram in '88 <laughs> in, the, in the Olympic final. Peter Ronald was only five foot six. Mm. Tiny little guy. So I think I, I, be, I became okay. very sensitive to the personality, the character, particularly of my elite athletes. Now, when kids are younger, it's it's a little bit different. They're they're you you, de you can deal with them more as a group, and and then you can deal with them more. You can have a common program for them in training, which is which is okay. But I think when you move into the elite circuit, you have to become very responsive and and very keen. You, you must have a keen eye for, okay. for what for what you see in the training. Mm. And I do think sometimes maybe uh, elite athletes could tend to overtrain I'll just go back in there when David Vidisha was leading up to London he ran New York fastest time ever on American soil 142.6 or something 141.6 in New York okay. came to Paris about a five, four or five weeks before London 141.3 I see where this is going <laughs> in the wet 
it, it had just rained the track was quite wet so the temptation would be normally to say now Adisha we just push a little bit more or up the training a little bit and, 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 and you're ready for London you know no we actually pulled back a little bit all you had to do was the physical was there that little extra fraction of a second was already there but you have to see that you have to know it's there and you have to be confident that it's there mm-hmm. and you have to give him the confidence that it's there you don't have to push anymore to get that it's just the night the occasion mm-hmm. the, the, the confidence uh, the ability to handle pressure and expectations that's where you're going to get your extra fraction of a second mm-hmm. and that's where it came from it didn't come from any real uh, harder training tougher training four or five weeks before the Olympics in fact sometimes in, with some athletes you, you, you put them in very dangerous territory when you're at the top of your game and you're physically fit to, the, to you know uh, you live very close to the cliff edge <laughs> you know of cracking up or injury or whatever so I'm just saying my type of coaching is all based on that approach People might think sometimes that oh uh, you 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 you, do, you don't have uh, a stringent program as such, or you don't you don't you still have to do the work. Mm-hmm. You must still keep your your overall framework in place. Yeah. I have to do this mileage. I have to do this type of thing. But the way you do it, okay. your approach to it, is for me what makes the difference. Okay. And what would your advice be to? Uh so to say a regular runner in Scotland who's who's trying to be competitive who is uncoached how would you how would you suggest they look at their training and and uh, and, and build their their um, their own schedule yeah well uh, first of all of course and I was very happy to see some young kids running mm-hmm. you know at the park run yes and and uh, I talked to one kid at the end of the race who was uh, 15 and he ran uh, 1924 or something okay you know yeah so Member of our he, club. he was very upbeat about it uh if if, if uh, now I, I and i don't know how strong the scottish school system is in terms of mm. in terms of sport in general even not just necessarily mm. athletics i think it, it's what you mentioned earlier there are key individuals in certain places who have a big impact and if you have somebody, and I've seen this over the years, you have somebody who's really interested working in a school, all of a sudden that school starts producing good athletes. Yeah, all, there's always somebody behind what's going on, mm-hmm. okay. uh, almost unseen, uh, which, which is, which is uh, it, be it school, be it club, be it in a town or city, you need a very passionate person. Kids... I find, uh, even starting off in Kenya, are very responsive to anybody who will show an interest. You know, kids respond very much to 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 um, interest you have in them. Uh, um, com- get a common ground, uh, a connecting point with 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 them. So, if you if you take kids, uh, be it a teacher. Mm-hmm. be it a coach in a club uh, even parents also 
you know, they, they must nurture it. And it's not just a matter of nurturing the training side of it, the physical side of it. It's the, you must also work on the the, the motivation, the interest, the, the passion, the, the positiveness you have towards it. You know, it, it uh, sometimes you, you can overdo the physical and you turn people off. You go, ah, it's too tough. And, uh, you know, um, I'm, there's nobody else doing the sport I'm doing or whatever, whatever. You know, you, it, it, so running can be, a lo- can be a lonely sport. Mm-hmm. A function like today, when they get out in their park run, yeah. it's coming together. Actually, people have a wrong impression of athletics sometimes. They think it's a lonely sport. Mm. The loneliness of the long distance yeah. runner type of thing. No, it's it's actually the opposite. Athletes are, of all sports I think, they're among the most cohesive mm. a, and community based yeah. people yes. that you can find. Absolutely. So you find similar people to build around you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another part of the culture. You find, uh, even when you come to E10, you have even as a, 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 a non-Kenyan, mm-hmm. uh, you'll always find a group, a level into which you'll fit and w- will challenge you to move to the next level, you know. So it, it's, uh, you must also develop it, that kind of culture as well from, from, for young people. It's always difficult to get kids from maybe about the age of 15, 16 mm-hmm. up to 18, 19. It's a time in their lives mm. when there's so many things going on in their heads and so many distractions. Uh, what are their peers doing? Every country, every sport has that has that challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it's you know you're talking about having role models in front of you. One of the I guess one of the problems in Scotland is for athletics. Maybe there's not. We have some great athletes at the moment, but there's it's not there. You don't see they're not all training in Scotland. You don't see them. They're not week in week out visible to to kids. You know, um, so I guess it's you know comes back to Fraser's question. How do we how do we create a an I ten like mentality in Aberdeen or, or Scotland more broadly? Hmm. Yeah, well, as a, we're lucky in Kenya, of course, that we have role models based in our village and living there, both mm-hmm. boy, men and women, which is fantastic um, I suppose uh, as I said back in the 70s when I started in Kenya most of our role models if you, they weren't really role models just because we didn't have so much coverage in the media yeah. mm-hmm. about them they ran in the US Henry Rona okay. Mike Boyd so we were kind of left you didn't know with, yeah. it, 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 they didn't have and, and, and the boycotting of the Olympics mm-hmm. 72 80 there was there were, there were no role models coming out of the out of the country, so it was a lean period for them. So, um, but I I I was I worked within the school, within the smaller group. Now I didn't have a lot of success because, as I said, when it came to 1984, Kenya had only one gold medal in uh, in Los Angeles Olympics after a long lean period of that. But I was still laying the foundation. I was still learning myself. And putting things in place for uh, the explosion that came in '88, where Kenya won five gold medals, mm. mm-hmm. including my, one of my own athletes uh, in the 1500 meters. So who was that? Peter Rona. Peter, Peter Rona was your oh, yeah. of course. So he was my first Olympic champion. Wow. So uh, he he, he uh, I was I was you you go through lean periods, but 
that's not a reason why you should give up and say we're going nowhere mm-hmm. or it's not it's not you know Ireland is a small country population four and a half million I don't know the population of Scotland but not just over more. five million yeah. five million yeah. individuals come through in all sports you'll have a, a cycling guy winning the Tour de France mm-hmm. you'll have a, um, um, a Sonia O'Sullivan uh, winning a world title in athletics you'll have a, um, a strong another rugby guy. team Pardon? strong rugby team strong rugby team you've all those for a small a small countries cannot expect I think too much of a an overall I, I was comparing Scotland to Ireland because of population mm-hmm. you, you can only expect individuals to come mm-hmm. through uh, Kenya is a bit different because of the running culture and because of the catchment area and the Great Rift Valley and the altitude mm-hmm. and the climate and all these factors uh, but for a country like Scotland you, you, you are dependent I mean go back again you Liz McCorgan people mm-hmm. like that you know coming coming. you'll, you'll always, probably always have only individuals at the top level but that doesn't mean that running mm-hmm. or uh, uh, is isn't uh, you know uh, viable or so to speak of whatever we use the word is isn't going to catch on mm-hmm. isn't going to be there and it's from that that your individual is going to come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it takes maybe a thousand individuals to make an iconic athlete mm-hmm. to make one is mm-hmm. going to come out at the top you know you're not going to have a, a very or you're never going to have a sizable number and s- small countries like Ireland and Scotland. Uh, tend to swing around from sport to sport what a, whatever is in the media at the time mm-hmm. whatever is uh, the, the success catches the eye of young mm-hmm. people I want to be a runner I want to be a rugby player I want to be a whatever mm-hmm. you know so there, you are subject to a little bit of that uh, swing yeah. backwards yeah. and forwards but that again shouldn't stop you from from keeping your putting your foundation in place and and giving mm-hmm. the opportunity let's put it like that mm-hmm. to kids who, who are likely to come through the system i, I think mm-hmm. setting aside the the youngsters and the development of that which is obviously where the foundations come for the next level of mm-hmm. producing good athletes but we look at adult athletes in this area we've got a lot of people who are doing reasonably well are enthusiastic, putting a lot of time and effort into their training, mm-hmm. but are maybe not getting to the level. I'm not speaking about world class, but just getting to that next level. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we've got a lot of guys who are, and girls who are running well, mm. and you would think that. But how do we get to that next just level? Just that next level. And um, mm. I don't know, you know, because it's maybe what you were saying earlier. It's about okay, we know that the right things to do, but. The framework is there, but maybe we're trying to be too rigid in the way that's being applied. And what I observe is an overemphasis on times in training all the time. We've got to be hitting this pace. We've got to be doing that. Mm-hmm. To what extent do you think runners should get more of a feel for what running at pace is? Should they be chasing the time constantly in training? Are, probably there's something in between but I just wonder in terms of the yep. training that your guys do how okay. much of it is about running as you feel 
how much of it is more conditioned on pace. Because athletics, by nature, is one of the easiest sports to uh, to measure in a sense. Yeah. You know, when you when somebody says I run a marathon, immediately, what's your PB? <laughs> or I run fifteen hundred meters? Or yeah, you know, absolutely. it's 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 prone to measurement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're a footballer, well, it's a matter of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How good you are. Yeah. Uh, but athletics is that. There's a couple of sports which can be absolutely measured. So that can creep in too much into measuring everything, measuring progress, mm-hmm. measuring times, uh, uh, you know. And oh, I'm disappointed because I didn't uh, live up to expectations. Or, or, But I think you can also have a healthy approach to that. You know, many people go out and run marathon and they're just running in for a PB. You know, their PB might be 2 hours 50. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they run 2:49 the next time, they're thrilled. You know, so in a sense, it can be it can be seen in a healthy way, but I think coaches have to play it down a little bit um, uh, uh, by not always put you running against the clock. Put you running against your feeling, and uh, sometimes when I would take an athlete, an elite athlete, out training. And I would put them through a training session. No watch. Mm. I just look. What, what am I seeing? You know, forget about time. And anyway, if the athlete is elite, he can almost run a 400 meters mm. to within half a second of what mm-hmm. you tell him. If, if he knows exactly. If, yeah. uh, mm. I mean, Radisha could go out and I could say, okay, we're going to do 52 seconds, 400. Mm-hmm. He'll do it to within a fraction of a second. You know, it's it's built into his system. So you mm. must get the athletes tuned in, in their, as you said, in their feelings. Get them tuned in to what okay. running is about, running technique, uh, running uh, 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 how your body is responding to the type of training you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you must also take care of that side. Not always against the clock. On measuring, in fact, uh, some coaches, you know, get stopwatch and whistle. You know, you stand on the side and, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think it has to go deeper than that. It has to, it has to, it has to uh, be much more and much more holistic than that. It's, it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not just only a physical activity. You know. Mm. is how the athlete and maybe I suppose all the great athletes and I know in the case of David Vidisha he he became a student of his event not just in terms of knowing splits and times but in just understanding mm-hmm. in fact mm. even better than much better than myself and a lot of the coaching that I would do with my athlete um, I, I involve my athletes in the coaching process in other words, I'm not the coach, and then there's a barrier, and he's the athlete. Mm-hmm. He he mm-hmm. Did, he wasn't totally dependent on me mm-hmm. for programs or for training sessions. Okay. He, he he had a great understanding of of, of training, and and and, and uh, sometimes also I might be t- taking him for we say before a major competition for a training session, and I'd have in my head uh, this is what I would like him to be able to do. In the training session, and he would 
do a certain number of reps in a particular interval track session mm-hmm. and I, I'd see what I want to see this, this is what I'm looking for and I'd say we stop why? I've seen what I want to see okay. I don't need to exaggerate it mm-hmm. I don't need to overdo it I'm satisfied mm-hmm. or sometimes you go to the track and you say you'd have an idea this is what we're going to do today and he'd warm up he put on his spikes he'd do a little bit of striding before we'd come into the main session and I'd say uh uh-uh. uh it's not today there's something missing I'm feeling I'm getting the heavy feeling <laughs> a little bit even the striding I'm getting the heavy feeling because when you're at that level and as I said before a major competition all your session must be about confidence building reassuring the athletes that there's nothing we left out mm-hmm. you don't be coming to him two weeks before the Olympics and saying uh uh-uh, uh there's a problem here mm-hmm. there's something there it immediately puts doubt in his mind which when he comes under pressure Mm. he's going to go to that doubt that doubt is going to play in his mind in, during the race mm-hmm. so everything is about confidence building so when I see that I have something I think it was the great Winston Churchill one time said when you have something where you want it leave it there mm. don't go moving it around again see can mm. you find a better place like that. so it's, mm. that's how the coaching goes for me and that's where maybe it's a little bit different from mm-hmm. the the regimental or the program based coaching so uh, you must have that connection you must have that understanding and very often um, even during a track session you might have done halfway doing some of it I'll stop and I'll talk to him how is it going what what do you feel we get feedback Mm -hmm. so you're all the time adjusting the little bits inside Oh, that's when you're dealing with mm-hmm. an, an elite athlete and I think that's that's where I, I uh, because that's my background as I said that's that's I, I had to do that from day one mm-hmm. one of the big advantages I think for me now as a coach in Kenya is that I didn't know about athletics before I came it's an advantage yeah 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 that's really interesting so you're still going, still coaching? Still coaching. Uh, I moved now, as I said, from 800 with David Radisha to 10,000 with Ronix Kipruto. Yeah, okay. So I've... Real talent. One, one, one Marathon, no. no. Marathon, not yet. I've never got big into road racing <coughs> or marathon. Mm. Um, now, however, this young man, Ronix Kipruto, the way, the way track has gone in recent years, we have very very few 10,000 meter track races mm-hmm. it used to be Prefontaine Brussels Hengelo mm-hmm. very few mm-hmm. in the professional ranks an athlete can no longer make a living on the track mm. running by running 10,000 meters there's not enough races if you're a professional mm-hmm. so you must go on the road now mixing road and track is becoming a little bit more common, okay. a little bit more common. But years ago, maybe your time, 
you finished your track career and you moved into marathon highly given Selassie Paul Turgat they more or less wound up the track and then they yeah. moved into road yeah. more, more recently we see it with Mo Farah doing the same correct exactly that was the traditional uh, the, the way the, that was the, the sequence with the result that many athletes who go on the road the mentality is different the surface is different the distance is nearly always different because most road races are more than 10k mm-hmm. to go back to track and to become a successful track runner is not so easy more ran a London marathon latched on very quickly this is not for me for the moment back to track mm. he didn't stay on the road mm-hmm. highly went to marathon and I think uh, he ran one world championships track after that and was beaten I think he didn't even medal going back to very different approach uh, so uh, but now the athletes have to somehow get a balance between the athletes as a, athletes as a career by running road and maybe becoming 10,000 meter track runners with the result now what happened in Kenya it's a strange thing Kenya have not won Olympic gold 10,000 since 1968 is that right? which wow. is 51 years ago whatever <laughs> it is no and people assume they won no Kenya won his first Olympic gold in 1968 in Mexico City an athlete called Naftali Temu they haven't won it since Incredible. Yeah, I never thought never, never thought about that. Yeah. Given the given the talent, Absolutely. given the long distance ability. Now of course we they came up against an era of all kinds of athletes mm-hmm. after that. There was um Kalitska, mm-hmm. there was uh Haile Gabriel Selassie, mm-hmm. there was um Bekele, Bekele yeah. and more. Mm-hmm. Now what happened with Kenya, I think, especially in more recent years, was all their long-distance runners were all pounding out the mileage on the road. Kenya would select its marathon. See, there's no event between 10 kilometers on the track mm-hmm. and marathon, marathon 42 yeah. kilometers. Mm-hmm. So Kenya would select its marathon team maybe after London or after New York or Boston. All the other world runners are now out of the picture, becoming Olympians or even winning the Olympic medal. There were just three selected. Yeah. So they, when the trials came to select the track team, which is about five or six weeks before the Olympics, mm-hmm. the road runners went back to 10K <laughs> to try to make the Kenyan team. Uh, of course. But they weren't track runners. <laughs> so a lot of Kenya's representatives in recent Olympics are not 10,000 meter runners on the track. They're road runners. The road runners who didn't make the marathon team. Who didn't make the marathon team. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's my explanation for why we have in, certainly never made a big impression. Although in the last Olympics, I think uh, in Rio, I, th- I think we had the guy who was second or third, maybe third, right? Uh, was it a mm. world champ, a guy called Tanui, but he's based in Japan. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, now, I have this young man coming up, 
I'm hoping, keeping my fingers crossed, that I can keep him on course without overdoing the road. Maybe just a couple of road races, run sparingly on the road until after Tokyo. Okay. Which is <clears throat> next year. So, to see what he will uh, come up with. Ethiopia was a little bit different in that the Federation had a very strict control over their athletes. The Ethiopian Federation are very much on top of the sea uh, with, with, with controlling athletes and their races and different things. It has become a bit more uh, uh, easier now for them. But, um, and Ethiopia had fewer, in terms of the number, the reservoir, the number of athletes, Ethiopia is much smaller than Kenya. Okay. Much smaller. Okay, Ethiopia has only about 10 or 20% of the number of athletes that, that right? Kenya would have wow. in terms that. of potential and training and, and number. Um, so, but they, they had their select athletes from the era of the Ratatulu and uh, Haile mm -hmm. to the present era of Ethiopians. Mm -hmm. And they really kept that very small elite group together, controlled, managed, trained, supported. So we had the era of Haile, mm -hmm. we had the era of Bekele. Okay. And they, 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 they had a much, uh, uh, um, they were really focused. Kenyans were a little bit, you know, you got a different mm. number. Tergat maybe yes, but mm. you got all different athletes coming into ten thousand meters mm. every Olympics. We had a different group. Britain had uh, more. Mm -hmm. We stayed there, mm. and that's what you need. Mm. One thing I was interested in I was reading about you is in the nineties you were key in really pushing uh, elite women starting to train yes. in Iten. Now we've got in Scotland next weekend we have our national cross country champs and we're one of the few uh, countries, certainly in Europe, possibly in the world, where our men and women run the same distance now at the national cross, like they do at the world cross. Yes. What's your position on on that and this move towards equality and you know women and men running the same distance at events such as say the world cross? Historically, very briefly, of course, women were always considered to not being able to hack the longer distances. Mm -hmm. First of all, we, di we didn't have women in the Olympics in 1928. <laughs> we didn't have a 3000 in the Olympics till 84. We didn't have a marathon in the Olympics till 1984, which was run by Joan Benoit. So women were always considered not being able to endure, it was bad for their health, it was bad for their reproductive system and all these theories were put forward. Um, and when I went to Kenya, it was basically young girls, once they finished school, they got married. Your place was in the kitchen, not on the track. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so, even dress code, Mm -hmm. When I went out there first, you, you ran in your dresses. You were not allowed to wear shorts. Wow. I said, certainly lo running locally. They might if one or so went internationally, because that, that would be the code, but, but running locally. So there were all sorts of taboos. In a sense, uh, as, as much as kind of trying to improve athletics and athletic standards, I saw athletics as a way of tackling certain issues. 
and sports as uh, the role of women, the dress code, attitudes to women. Mm-hmm. Uh, once athlete, girls started coming up to the ranks, particularly when it became professional. You know, when you get married in Kenya, in local ethnic groups that I work with, you pay a dowry for the girl. Okay. So many cows. So your daughter and getting married was a financial boost to her parents. (laughs) (laughs) She was an investment in a sense. And that's how it was seen. Now, some people can argue, yes, various reasons, practical, non-practical, whatever. Uh, But gradually, when the girls started to make money, Nothing changes the system faster than money. (laughs) (laughs) Gradually the attitude began to change. My daughter is more valuable as an athlete than as a bride. (laughs) She's only worth five cows if she gets married. (laughs) She's worth 50 cows if she wins the London Marathon. So it changed attitudes. And and, and that, that, that really brought up the idea. Then, girls then our elite girls gradually Mary Katang and um, <coughs> um, people like Vivian Chouriot who mm-hmm. won the London Marathon this year mm-hmm. she's from ten um, and was in my program as a young girl okay. and um, and I had the first world champion senior from my group uh, Sally Vassosio won the world yeah. title in, in Athens in 1997 she was <coughs> in my training group wow. um, they, they, they now the girls now have role models as well mm, okay. and they became not only role models for sports or for even for athletics but even just role models for leadership for what a woman can become mm. the role they can play in society you know so it kind of broadened out into so many areas beyond athletics mm-hmm. and um, so the particular area around the 10 or the county in which E10 is situated, has and still is the running capital almost of the world in terms of long distance running for women, because they got a head start years ago when we started working through the schools. So nearly all the girls, Mary Katang, Edna Kiplagat, Vivian Churuyat, Sally Basosio, Bayoli Kibiwat, all come from that little area. Mm. all the iconic girls of today so um, I basically uh, took a keen interest in sports playing a role in all this scenario the situation that I found in in, in Kenya at the time and it has paid off in a sense now now our girls are very much accepted they're on par with our men in Mm. terms of performances Mm -hmm. and medals uh, they are, um, I think, in Daegu in 2011, World Championships. I think our girls won more medals than our boys. Um, so um, I'm kind of very proud of the fact that, that sports has played such a key role in the uh, upgrading and the, mm. the, 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 the uh, of, of women in society in Kenya okay. and 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 and. Uh, some of our girls, you know, they're fantastic uh, 
speakers and, uh, and, and able to present their cases of uh, the hardships they went through. We have uh, Lorna Kiplagat who has a big training centre in Itan. Um, um, she, ran, she ran for Holland, uh, mm -hmm. changed nationality, married a Dutchman. So she's very instrumental in promoting women. Uh, in the past, she has a training center. So um, it's 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 something that I think uh, goes far beyond sports mm -hmm. in terms of, of, of what, what our girls have achieved. Um, so I have been part of that That's great. for the years, and it's it's been uh, I'm very you know humbled and honored to. To have been associated with some of the greats of Kenyan women athletics, you know, fantastic. It's good, good to sure could speak I know. all day. <laughs> when, <laughs> when such guys get together, absolutely. And, uh, well, we can continue tonight for sure. I'm sure, we can. Uh, <laughs> we, we dig, in, we dig into the histories and uh, go back over it. But I've been honoured and privileged and humbled to have. Yeah, I, I kind of missed the first era of Kenya runners. The Kipchoge Kainos mm -hmm. and uh, Mike Boyds and the, and uh, and that, but the the kind of post boycott, post Olympic boycott um, era, uh, very much involved. And also the, the development from being these few individuals to being this depth of, of talent. Mm. Yeah, that's been another major change. And uh, yeah, I, uh, and of course athletics for my group. Um, I, and I've, I've concentrated some, a lot on youth. I, I, okay, I've had these iconic seniors, but the production line, mm. the, the, the basic has to be kept in place. And I never, in spite of temptations and opportunities even, to move up the line. Okay. I suppose I always kept in my head, why did you really go to Kenya? Well, the first, I went to work among youth, young people, give them an opportunity in life, mm. give them a better life. Uh, be it education or be it sports and I always resisted the temptation and kept my feet on the ground mm -hmm. in the local area and that for me um, meant that I wasn't just looking for iconic athletes but uh, I believe in my youth group and you might be back into Scottish youth mm -hmm. that sport and my case athletics gives kids um, a lifestyle it gives them uh, um, um, goals it improves their life skills it, for example your, the discipline you need the value of hard work mm -hmm. uh, being able to concentrate which sometimes becomes a bit shaky among our young people their powers of concentration mm -hmm. tends to has gone down a little bit mm. Uh, all these qualities, if you call them that, of values in life, can be put into any area of life mm -hmm. to make you a success. It doesn't have to be. You can learn from athletics, yeah. but it can. It's, that, it's adaptable and transferred. Mm -hmm. I found in the early years when I went to Kenya, all the kids were from small rural peasant farming backgrounds. So they came to school very shy, a fairly prestigious school. Mm -hmm. So. They, it ha uh, they could easily get lost or feel shy or feel uh, out of their depth in such a school. Mm -hmm. But sports brought them on board. Even if a kid 
struggled a little bit academically in class. Being good at sports gave him a status in the school. Mm, yeah. Gave yeah. him a feeling, Confidence. I'm not letting the school down, I'm doing something, I might not be the best in class, mm-hmm. but kids know who I am, kids are proud of me, my school is proud of me, I'm doing my bit mm-hmm. for the school. So it lifted that self-esteem that they might have had. And even Peter Rono, very shy, physically very small, came to school. Very humble guy. Most people would have said to me in the 1980s, you know, uh, a five or six guy, middle distance, uh, you know. But uh, he, he was a, he, he, so determined and he got out there and he trained and he almost told, he'd tell you, come, I'm going for training, see me training, watch me training, you know, I can do it, I can make it. Kept plugging away. He he was not a super talent, mm-hmm. you know. And I I often say, you know, it's 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 not the size of a the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you need that determination. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's going to hurt, no matter what activity in life you do that puts you at the top. It's, it's going to be hard. To You're going to suffer. Yeah. You know, there's a pain barrier to be broken. Yeah. You know, so so mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, so, and then even the kids, some of the kids who were maybe not going on to become elite, uh, they got track scholarships to America. American colleges took them, and they represented their college. They won yeah. collegiate titles. They got a degree, an education, and yeah. an education. Opens so the they had a plan B. If I don't become a professional athlete, I can do something. Mm-hmm. Some got into the forces. The armed forces, mm-hmm. the police force, they got jobs because they were physically fit and young warriors, young tough guys. Some got jobs with parastatal companies that had uh, track teams. It opened up a whole world for them. Yeah. You know, it's so it's yeah, yeah. far beyond sport. Such an important message, and you're right, it's very applicable to, where, I guess, to, yeah, to, to Scotland, Ireland, you know, everywhere. Mm. So well, thank, thank you very much. That's so in- such a interesting discussion you say we could go on forever but um, you've got to get ready for tonight so yes we'll to get you off for you that you said about you're over time but uh, well anyway all the best with the rest of your uh, you. with the, the rest of the season and, and you're uh, we look forward to seeing your next generation come through in Tokyo we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed uh, there's always your money you keep you you always keep an open mind when it comes to kids uh, uh, t- uh, success can come from any quarter <laughs> from the, the least expected yeah you know, and sometimes, by the way, the most expected can disappoint you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Colm, for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure to have such a legend on the show. I don't think he does many media appearances, so to come on TRS is a real coup. Secondly, thank you to Miles Edwards, the, fun- the Katimba Edwards Foundation co-founder for setting up and putting us in touch with Colm. It's uh, really appreciated, Miles, getting getting access to him. I've got some news here. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at, again, it was a late a late, a late, one in from work today. Uh, so there's the Lauren Muir Spites con- controversy. So tell us a bit about that, Tom. So this is something I came across this week. Laura Muir, we know, broke the, or obliterated is the word uh, a lot of the articles using the the British indoor mile record at Birmingham last week when she ran 4.18.75. Now, there's been a bit of chat that her shoes are 
actually not record eligible. She's um, she's basically worn a pair of spikes, which are a prototype based on the Vaporfly, which we've talked about. And you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of the Vaporfly. Apparently, the IWF have said that there is no evidence that the shoes breached the rules, um, and that they've said that if they were to receive a complaint, they would have to look at the shoe and and go for it. So I don't know where this has come from. I don't know if someone if someone's actually complained, or is this just some journalist is highlighting the fact that it could it could be um, it, it could be an issue. Ultimately, the, one of the rules is that the IWF rule 143.2 is that any type of shoe used must be reasonably available to all in the spirit of the universality universality of athletics. The Vaporfly is arguably available to all because people, idiots like me can shell out 200 quid for it. And uh, I guess the question... £7 they are. 200 well, yeah, okay. 207 worth, I looked, jeez. I'll tell you what, for, worth every penny. Anyway, Laura Muir's spikes... Are prototypes, so technically they're not. But the IWF don't seem to have an issue. So personally, I got no issue with it. I, I, I I'm gonna say, like, I mean, does Laura Muir really need those spikes though? Like, she'll probably still break the record in a pair of spikes. There can't be that much in a spike, to be honest. Like, it's just basically barefoot with spikes and on, well, on the plate. Yeah. Well, the thing like, is, come on, it's, 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 you're on a track. It's you're on your forefoot. That's the thing. A spike inherently has a plate on it. You know, the Vaporfly on mm. the road, the concern is that it's got this carbon plate through it. Surely, if, I can't imagine there's enough in a shoe and a spike being so minimal to put a plate in there. Unless the plate okay, is integrated I, I, into the spike plate. Maybe, but I, I don't know. I, I, you know, from, from, what I'm, from what I'm seeing, there's not enough evidence to suggest, maybe there is, but that, that gives you that, 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 performance, um, that performance enhancement. Yeah, so I, I think it's interesting to see to know that there, there you know, that there's going to be a spike out there potentially. But yeah, but also but, I mean, branding, you could say that it? about any spike though. Like, yeah, it's about branding. You know, you could say that about any spike when they put something different in in the spike. But you know, I mean, Nike or, plate or a different type of plate. Or, you do you know, know what? It wouldn't surprise spikes. me. It wouldn't surprise me if Nike had leaked this themselves. Because look at it. Yet again, people are talking about the Vaporfly. I mean, the amount yep. of prom- promotion that shoe gets just controvert- for controversial discussions is, is incredible. Um, and, I, I don't know. To be honest, I remember at the New York Marathon last year watching the start of it, there was a couple of the elites had prototype Brooks Hyperions with apparently a plate on it. You're not telling me that Joe Public can get hold of those shoes. You know, there's... there's a, no. Surely elites are getting access to stuff that the regular regular runner can't anyway. And also, let's be honest. It's how, not do like... define, how do you define that you, you don't give it to the public? Because you can just go, hey, I've got a mate who can give you a pair of these. You can buy them for like a, hundred, a couple of hundred pounds, you know? I don't know. Exactly. And also, on the Vaporfly, right? So about a year ago, no one was wearing the Vaporfly. I got a pair in the summer. I gave a few guys that I know at the club absolute pelters for getting Vaporflies two years ago. I got them <laughs> last year and ran Frankfurt in them. And I took a little bit of pelters for it. Everyone's in them now. The boys are training, all lining yeah. up in Vaporflies. So it's like, you know, it's eventually, if it works, it works. It's a good shoe. People want to wear it. Because, you know, it was Chris, our good mate Chris Richardson, who was on the show at Christmas. His quote was, uh, he doesn't think there is a benefit to them. But if there is, he can't afford to not take advantage of that. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I think you need to get yourself a pair yeah. for 100k champs. I've got your pair. You said you were going to give me a shot of them. <laughs> I was you. Well, well, like get at least, I was going to say, at least get some use out of them, yeah. Bloody hell. 
Exactly. Anyway, right, well, so, that, that brings us yeah. in, uh, talking about uh, other races. So it's it's maybe a little bit in the future, but the the Paris 2024 Olympic organizers will allow the public to run the Olympic marathon course. So the mass race would take place on the same day as the elite competition. So what do you make of that then? I'm reading this from Runners World of uh, accurate um, broadcasting that. I'm a wee bit torn, to be honest. My first reaction was, this is BS. It's an Olympic marathon. You don't need to, you don't need to, uh, you know, fluff it up. But on the other hand, I can see that if you let people, I mean, people go to the Olympics. People will be there anyway. I don't think by letting them run the marathon, it will, it will bring any value. And it's not even like they're going to watch it because they're going to be running it. Honestly, I think it's. I actually yeah. no, I'm I'm not torn. I think it is BS. I think it is. It's it brings no value. There's a Paris marathon already. People are running this. You know, let's be honest. When you watch the Olympic marathon, you're not interested in people who are running. And I mean this. This is uh, this is not elitist. This is just what as an athletics fan. If someone's running three hours, I don't care. They're not going to be on TV. You want to know who's winning the Olympic marathon. So you're interested in the front group are maybe 10 minutes back. Even 10 minutes back is a bit big. You don't, It's not like, imagine, yeah, I, if, what were they going to do? Let them open up the 100 metres and have heats for anyone who wants to run. It's a nonsense. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think, um, yeah, according to other sources, the organising committee have been quoted as saying they plan to stage a mass participation event on the same day as the elite race. But then they go on to say, um, they also hinted at looking at other events on the Olympic schedule in which they can include mass participation. Why? People are going to the Olympics. Yeah. Does that not just dilute what the Olympics is all about? Oh, I'm taking part in an Olympic event during the Olympics. It's It's ridiculous. Would would that not just dilute the the, the kind of the prestige of the event? So the question you're, is, you're why are they doing it? You're not there to take part. Exactly. Anyone who goes along and says, I'm going to run the Olympic marathon, isn't actually that big a fan of the, the sport. Because if you were a fan of the sport, you'd be watching it. And also, why are they doing it? If it's to if it's to, to make more people come, they don't need to do that. It's the Olympics. I mean, people are going to I the Olympics. They, uh, they're looking to do it separately from the, the elite marathon. So you could, you know, if you run it, you could still watch it. But... Uh, that's that, I, that's what I get from the event, um, so What's it wouldn't be at the same event? time. Just do a 10k or something. Do a, my favorite my favorite line in the article is it's been made clear that nobody in the amateur field would be eligible for a medal in the race, as you would need to have qualified <laughs> the Olympics first. Thanks for that clarification. <laughs> so what happens though, right? What happens if they they open it up to the mass participation? Some Kenyan boy runs the runs the race, gets a faster time than the Olympic champion. Is that not a little bit? Would that not be just a little bit odd? Yeah, that is odd. Because the conditions, be okay, if they, they have it within two hour, a couple of hours, then conditions are going to be relatively the same. Uh, it, it just loses appeal in my eyes. I just, I just think these, you know, the Olympics happens every four years. I think there's, there's plenty of other mass participation exactly. races that you can take part in. There's, four, the there's Olympics. What, six major marathons a year. There's not a need. There's, I, I mean... Yeah. The pro- I get, actually, the thing is, do you know what's really sad? I'm, I'm now realising actually what it is for. It's a money-making exercise because people will do it. Imagine that. All these, it's like these people, these six-star finishers, these people who are obsessed with finishing all six majors, uh, you know, just to finish. That is a finish lines, not finish times mentality. 
you know, I know people who've, I know people, and that maybe sound a bit off here, who've run the, who've run all six and haven't even come close to running a Boston qualifying. I mean, for me, the Boston Marathon, if ending, is a race you qualify for and you, you know, you don't run it on a, on a, on a, on a package. If people start, this is a money, money making exercise. It takes away from, it, for me, it doesn't boost the Olympics. Um, and it, 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 de- it, I don't know, I think it just devalues it a wee bit. I think as well, uh, the roads will be closed, so it'd be easy to to organise a race. So yeah. there's all the the infrastructures there. Um, you know, you've, the oper- operationally, it, it wouldn't be as um, as difficult because it's everything's there. The registration can be, you know, the whole. But I think one of the reasons they were mentioned IOC been discouraging hosts from inviting the the general public to participate in these events, mainly obviously due to security concerns. Um, so that it, it might just be, it might not actually go ahead. It might just be, uh, they, they, well, actually they've, they've revealed it. That in a, yeah, I think it will go ahead. The, the I don't know if it's 100%, but yeah. It's, it's, it's more anyway, than I think that's a bit of a rant, eh? It is a bit of a rant. Thumbs kicking off. Jeez, oh. I don't like this. I really don't oh, like Lord. it. They, what they need to do is the IWF need to forget <laughs> about nonsense like this and reintroduce cross country to the to the uh, Olympic Winter Olympic schedule, or not reintroduce introduce that would be better. Just actually speaking of cross country, one interesting thing on the World Cross this year, there is a mass participation event. But I get that because the World Cross is an event that people aren't maybe going to go and watch, but this might give them a, an added incentive to go and watch. But the Olympics don't need that. They, I don't think the Olympics nah, are short on people. I, I don't think they do. No, nah, I think you're bang on, Tom. Anyway, you're right. I've ranted on that a bit too much, so let's move on. Next up, we've got the next news article. Actually, quite a lot of news this week, stuff that's caught our eye. New Balance have opened a pub in London. And the I guess the, the USP or the gimmick there, it's called the run the Runaway. And if you've, uh, if, you, if, you, if you've got a Strava and you've logged some miles... You um you can exchange that as some kind of running currency for pints. <laughs> Sounds great. So how does it work? Do you just like do you just go in, you rock up, and you go, I've just ran ten miles, gaze a beer. So and then bas- you don't pay for it, you piss off, and and they don't get anything. What, what what what? How does that work? So basically, there's a Strava challenge which New Balance and Strava have created. There's going to be a few challenges in that uh, in this that they'll set up, and basically when you join this the Travis challenge, you get this runaway card they call it, which you can add to the wallet on your phone, and that will fill up with miles you've run, and then you go in and like with your Apple Pay or Google Pay, you exchange miles for pints. They they haven't yet said you know what a mile a pint is. Oh no, they have. Sorry, challenge one for example, run 40 miles for pints. So. On either the 24th or the 3rd of March, so very specific dates, you can, if you earn the 50% badge, I'm not sure how you do that, but I'm sure you have to run, I guess you have to run 40 miles. Oh no, sorry, if you run 20 miles, you get the 50% badge, and that gets a drink for, two drinks for each, for you and a friend. If you if you run 100%, you've run 40 miles, you can, uh, you can get three drinks each for you and a friend, so... Uh, yeah, so if you've both done it, jackpot, six pints. It's a session. Jesus, that's a lot. Of, that's more than I had on Saturday night. So, uh, anyway, I mean, some of them are a bit... One, so, of them um, is, one of them is 60 miles. If you run... But again, that seems a lot. You're only getting three pints for that. Anyway, it's an interesting uh, concept. Well, I like it. Yeah, Don't 60 miles isn't that much. How many, 
How many, uh, right, so the current, you've got to run 40 miles in two weeks. Not exactly difficult, is it, Tom? Even you could do that at the moment. I'm, not sure, in two, I'm not sure if it's in two weeks or not. I think it might be on a 40 day. 40 miles in two weeks. 20 miles right. a week. That must be, yeah. It won't be 40 miles in one. Well, no the thing deal. is, it has no to be easy. Let's be honest, though. Yeah, they're making yeah. it easy because you go in, you buy, you exchange your two pints, and then you buy lunch, and that's where they're getting you. So, and also, it's, it's cool. It's a good concept, actually. And actually, the picture of the pub looks pretty cool as well. And also, this is, so is, this it, is, is the, where they get you. Is it a... Well, that's the is point. That a it's, a, pub? it's a pub. It's a pub. A New Balance pub with a New Balance shop in it. New Balance. Oh, there you go. It's there you go. That. that is very it's clever. Up. We're talking about it. We're yeah, talking exactly. about it on TRS. So. I'll tell you what, I might go it's in there when we're in London next month. I think you should. You sit in there and you uh, drink your sorrows away while Fee smashes a big half. Yeah. So that's. Uh, you need to get the challenge. You need to complete the challenge. Yeah, I need, I need a couple of weeks at this rate. <laughs> no, I'm not smashing out 80 miles a week at the moment. It's uh, 20. Oh, hey. You'll get there, buddy. You'll I'll get, get there. there. Anyway, interesting. Right, so, so I'm aware I'm aware that you're... Uh, I, I've had my pulled pork. It was amazing, by the way. And I'm aware that you've got your pulled pork as well mm. in the, the slow cooker. So we, we, we better crack on. We better. One thing we, before we, we do... One thing I do before we crack on, um, we, in terms of race results, maybe we should go with it was the we talked about the um, the national cross, but it was actually the Fetteresso Marathon on the weekend as well, which is a a trail marathon up here in in uh, in, in what's in Stonehaven, just outside Aberdeen. Do you know anything about that? One you've thought about running before? The Fetteresso one. Yeah. I would love to do it, but. I was it too hungover really on Sunday to <laughs> to give it a bash. Was that, that was that not the time that I don't know if you were there, but I ran and uh, it was snowing, and I went. We had a big group of us, and we ended up going the wrong way. And I I was meant to take gels for for me and Debbie, and I forgot them, so I ended up eating. I think either me or Debbie decided to eat snow to refuel. <laughs> it was it was only meant to be like ten miles, and it ended up being like eighteen miles. So I took everyone the wrong way. Oh, yes, I do remember I, that, yeah. Was that not like Fiona's longest ever run at that time? Yeah, I think it was, a, yeah, that's right. She'd never run more than like 12 miles or something. And we got, yeah, uh, yeah. And was but, that not Miles? Was, was Miles there? I think it was. It was maybe Miles, Miles and Stuart. Not, Miles and Stuart McDougall were there. I, I'm sure it was Miles' long run as well. We we, smart, yeah. we we took a lot of people's cherries that day, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> So and actually that's a, uh, that shows how easy it can be to get lost in Fetteresso Forest. It's an absolute maze. So they've anyway this is the, it's thing, great it's the second, for running. It's a great running place, and this for the second year in a row they've had a marathon there. So it was actually won by uh, a banker runner. Um, I can't remember his first name. Mark. That's it. Mars, Mark Mosgrove, who uh, who won it, and I think it was apparently quite an exciting race. He overtook long-term leader and Metro Aberdeen runner Jason Kelly, who is who's from Stonehaven. Uh, quite late on in the race, so uh, in terms of time, um, Mark won it in 2:50, and oh, uh, right. Jason was second in 2:56. So uh, good success there. And on the women's side, it was won by local ultra runner Jenny Reese Jenkins. So uh, well done, well done, guys, for those. Um, a very it looks like it's getting stronger and stronger this race. They give away trees as a win, as a prize. So 
Yeah, I think it's won the... And chocolate medals. Yes, I see that. Or yeah, chocolate medals. Edible chocolate medals. medals. Yeah, That's so a I think... great What would you do? Would you... Do you want to eat? I would eat it. Yeah, I got a, there was a, you got a little chocolate prize at the Frankfurt Marathon last year, and I discovered it in a drawer like three weeks ago. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to keep this. I'm eating <laughs> yeah. it. Immediately. Of course <laughs> I ate it immediately. I'm not sure why I kept yeah, it so it's... long. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so I think it's a cool, uh, cool event. Yeah, a big shout out. Uh, again, I, I see this in your notes, Tom. You've done your research. Martin McKinnon, he he ran the M50 category two weeks before getting the M60 group. So yeah, well yeah, done, to Martin. Impressive, yeah. yeah. Sorry, we haven't got any other results, but Tom's got his pool party. <laughs> so I think um, that's really it. This weekend is the European indoors. We're not going to talk about that too much now. We talked about the team last week. Got nine Scots running, so. I'm 100% sure none of them listen to TRS, but if they do, good luck. And we look forward to catching up on that for the listeners next week. Definitely. So, have we, we've, we've, have we got one rant to, to rant about, Tom? We do have one rant. Yeah, before we go. Yeah, do you want to go for it? I can't say this one. Cause I, he, he, headphone, headphone dicks. <laughs> okay, I'll say it. My personal favourites are the ones who wear vests with their names printed on. So you can give them a shout and then wear headphones so they can't hear you give them a shout. <laughs> and that's from Stuart Livingston. So thank you for the rant, yeah. Stuart. And I'm sure we might have spoke about this one before. So I think uh, we, we might be on the verge of repeating ourselves. We but, are. But so... you're right. I mean, it's uh, why put your name on your vest if you, if you don't want to hear your name being called out? If you've got your headphones on. Exactly. I... Actually, we could rant about headphones all day. I, I think, okay, we're t- I mean, ultra. Let's take ultra out of it for now. Road racing, even anything less than a marathon, you shouldn't be wearing headphones. You really shouldn't be wearing headphones. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm not even. I can't think of any reason why you would need to. Motivation, so, Tom. Motivation. Motivation. Musical. Musical motivation. And yeah, listen to TRS. The time listen and the your my croaky voice and your elegant words of encouragement and wisdom so anyone who needs motivation when they're doing a race i would say why are you running this race <laughs> now if it's a park run and someone's wearing headphones at a park run i mean come on <laughs> a park run you can't go 25 minutes without hearing your whatever the greatest showman soundtrack whatever that is that's a crack the... that is a crack it is a great it is a great soundtrack but do, it's do still... you know what? I'm, I'm gonna put it out here Listen right? to sorry, it beforehand. It, so, sorry to interrupt DMX, I've just I listened to that <laughs> before the National Cross. What was yeah. I can't remember the name of the song. It's uh, it was on. No, that's what it was. I watched Creed two, the Creed two film, the night before the race. It's the second time I watched it. Debbie hadn't watched it, so I thought inspiration to run a fast National Cross country. Got yeah. the Creed two soundtrack and soundtrack soundtrack and the warm up. Nah, <laughs> didn't do bugger all for me. But it was like you know, if I was if I was all ready to go, I think uh, just it would have just made my day. Like listen to that and then running an amazing race. But hey, there's a, there's plenty more races in the sea. Yeah, it's clearly the soundtrack's wrong. Okay. So uh, anyway, I think anyway, the headphone one is I agree with him. And actually, if you're he's Stuart is spot on. Why encourage people to shout your name if you can't hear them? <laughs> Honestly, I mean that is just ridiculous. <laughs> but maybe they just they. they I don't know. Anyway, I'm not gonna. Well, I'm not, let's save this for another time, right? I'll if we're dry at one week, I'll put this out there. Don't answer. Just some of you to think about R- names on vests. 
from Athens. <laughs> People are going to listen to this and they're going to have names and vests and they probably had headphones in while they've had a name, which is fine, absolutely fine, but I get it. I do get it, you know, some... Yeah. Like, yeah, but... Hey-ho! So I think yeah. that's... Uh, apologies if we've missed any rants that have come in. Um, I, I've got to say... Um, We've, uh, I got a really nice message from a new listener um, who's just started listening. And believe it or not, Tom, uh, I'm going to find it because it's important that I find this because I, I want to give him a message. Uh, well, I did... well, while you find that, uh, yeah, just big thanks to Stuart who sent that. Stuart's an Edinburgh AC athlete who we've, we've, we've seen on the circuit. So it's good to know that. Good to know you're listening, Stuart. Welcome on yeah. board. Uh, so Kaz and uh, sorry, Kaz Addison has start started listening to the show, and uh, but he's rewound back a few episodes, i.e., like from the start. <laughs> and God Don't knows do how that. God knows how he's still listening, but good on you, mate. But yeah, he, uh, he's a massive fan of the show, but a few weeks behind, he's a few weeks behind, so he's just catching up. So just he also wanted to extend a massive congratulations to me and Debbie on the the news. So. Um, the child's going to be rapid, so I hope I hope it is. Uh, fingers crossed. It's um, it's been doing a lot of cycling in in the I room. I hope it is. So. Poor, poor kid. Can you imagine if it's not fast? Oh no, it'll just it'll be, be just like it'll be just be, Oh no. Oh, Can God. you imagine if it doesn't run? It's definitely going to be running, mate. <laughs> what a choice. Oh, no choice. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks for everyone who who, who does uh, comment and, and listen to the show. Really appreciate it. Like like we Tom said earlier, we don't we don't get anything for this. We do it for the the passion. Um, and you know we we do have to pay uh, a bit of you know a bit to say, subscriptions, websites. So anyone who would like to any companies or any uh, you know people out there run if they want to sponsor and support us. Let us know. Uh, we'd be absolutely delighted to have you on board, and um, you know, just to keep the keep the show running. I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, we're, Kyle and I are in the process of getting hold of some tartan running shorts, which uh, that was a, f- a few people actually mentioned that on the weekend, saying, "Why the hell are you guys not wearing your tartan running shorts?" So uh, we're looking at that, and actually, what we what we'd love to do is get to a place where we can have run some competitions on the show and give away tartan running shorts as prizes. So uh, we would see on the race circuit who actually listens based on what shorts they're wearing at a race. So, <laughs> but again, that all costs money. So yeah, bear with us. We're working on it, but we are, we're looking to get there. We're getting there. We're getting there. So yeah, thank you again, folks. Like I mentioned before, subscribe to us is the best way to follow us so that you get us downloaded instantly. And uh, yeah, rate us on iTunes and give us, give us a few stars if you don't mind. And yeah, we'll, we'll, Catch up with you next week. Bye.